The Blood Flow Restriction Podcast is brought to you by Saga, a world leader in innovative BFR technology. For more information on our Bluetooth-enabled auto-calibrating BFR cuffs, head over to our website at saga.fitness. And if you'd like to pick up a set for yourself, you can save 20% with the discount code BFRPODCAST. Today's topic on the Blood Flow Restriction Podcast is, I guess you could call it part two in our hypertrophy program series. Uh, which is quad hypertrophy, how to build a BFR quad hypertrophy program. I'm going to say the same thing I did if you heard the uh, hamstring hypertrophy episode, which is normally I would just suggest uh, finding a good resource and doing a traditional resistance training hypertrophy program. But this is the blood flow restriction podcast. And far and away, one of the number one requests that we get in the info line uh, for the podcast is what type of programming questions, exercise selection related questions. Uh, So we are here to deliver that on this episode and in this series. Uh, There'll be more to come. We'll move to upper body after this. And a few notes before we we begin. Of course, this assumes BFR only. Uh, So all of the exercises and the kind of programming design around this will be catered towards uh, blood flow restriction exercises, fairly obvious. And as you'll see in this episode, I'll go through some specific exercises that you can include, but I I would recommend going back and listening to our exercise selection episode a few episodes back, uh, because in general, especially with hypertrophy training, there are no magic exercises. Uh, And so if you're curious about how to identify the best exercises or potentially best exercises for you uh, under BFR, uh, kind of viewed through the lens of BFR, that episode will help. Uh, kind of identify those exercises. But specifically on the topic today, we'll make sure to check these three boxes. If you didn't listen to the hamstring hypertrophy episode before this, uh, any training, BFR or not, has got to check three boxes. Specificity, overload, and recovery or fatigue management. Uh, 30-second spiel on that. Specificity means we are training the thing that we are trying to get good at. So in this case, quads. The exercises need to be focused on growing our quads. Uh, overload suggests that the, you know our training needs to be difficult enough to drive adaptation and it should be uh, the stimulus should be somewhat increasing over time. Uh, the demands that we put on our body through various ways uh, should be increasing um, to some degree. And then fatigue management or recovery, we just need to make sure that we don't overtrain, fairly obvious. Uh, our training should be difficult, but it shouldn't be so difficult that it causes maladaptation or us to kind of go downhill. So if you can view any programming through kind of that lens, that at least helps point you in the right direction so that even if uh, I miss some pieces in this episode or some things aren't clear, you can think about your training through kind of those three pillars. And if you check those three boxes, you're probably going to be okay. Uh Again, this assumes that quads are your goal, which means quad growth is your goal, which means we're training lower body. Quads are going to have to come first in almost every case. You need a really good warrant or reason for putting them after your hamstring or glute or whatever work. Um, We need to save as much energetic resources as we can to direct towards our quads. And so in general, on lower body days, I would put quads first. It also means that you might need to cut back on other volume. So uh, your hamstring related work or even globally other upper body exercises, if recovery becomes an issue, then 
you know, if you're really trying to grow your quads, you may need to pull back volume. If if you're just looking for general quad hypertrophy and you're fine with it growing at the same rate as everything else, um, that's perfectly fine. But just mentioning, if you do want to specialize on it, you may need to pull back volume elsewhere. And I mentioned this on the hamstring episode as well, and quads are actually similar. So in general, in a lot of cases, quads are not the most suited for super high rep training. So uh, in, in, a, in a lot of cases, picturing a high bar back squat, great quad exercise, we'll run into a situation where your cardiovascular system for one and your back, your spinal erectors for two are can become the rate limiters if, if you're not in decent shape and if your spinal erectors um, aren't extremely strong, uh, they might cause you to kind of quote fail on your set where your quads might still have a lot of juice, uh, but you're just too gassed, you're too blown up, and maybe your spinal erectors are giving out on you, your back wants to fold over. Uh, that's why, you know, in general, most people train a little bit lower rep in a lot of these exercises and squats, maybe less than 20 reps. That said, BFR should kind of uh, augment that a bit. So it's going to bring you to failure quicker, which is great. And you're going to be training at a reduced load. So there should be less demand on your spinal erectors. So uh, I'll mention BFR is, is you're a lot better suited to do this under BFR than you would be to try to do a 20, 30 rep set probably without BFR in terms of avoiding the rate limiters being your cardiovascular system and your, your spine. It's going to put the, it's going to really put emphasis uh, on your quads as the rate limiter, but still you, you may run into a situation depending on what type of condition you're in, um, where it's, it's difficult to get the full stimulus on the quads, uh, worth mentioning. Again, BFR should augment that, but, but you know, be maybe irresponsible for me not to mention that. Okay, so on to programming. We're going to start with frequency. How often should you be training quads in this BFR hypertrophy program? Well, we know training once a week for a muscle is better than zero. And training twice a week, in most cases, in almost every case, is going to be better than one. And then once you get into three, four, five, six plus, uh, there's definitely merit for that in uh, maybe a lot of cases. But when it comes to quads, for most people, if, if especially the, with fairly difficult training, tr trying to train more than twice a week on average just tends to be quite a bit of damage. So for this scenario, we are going to target a twice weekly quad training program. Quads are large muscles. They're capable of producing a lot of force, which is both of that, you know, that's great, but uh, that means they're also capable of taking a lot of damage. So twice per week, in most cases, pretty ideal. So that's frequency. We're going to be training quads twice a week. Exercise selection. I mentioned this earlier, but there are no magic exercises in hypertrophy training. In powerlifting and weightlifting, you have your, your lifts that you have to do, you know, powerlifting, bench squat, deadlift, weightlifting, you've got the snatch and clean and jerk. You, you've got to get better at those movements. Those are quote magic exercises in that case. In hypertrophy, anything that's going to put force through the target muscle and you know allow you to safely uh, load is a great exercise. And again, you can reference our exercise selection framework episode uh, for more detail on maybe how to self-identify the best exercises in each scenario. Um, so preface, prefacing by saying there are no magic exercises, but people like, uh, generally people want some sort of gu guidance. So I'm going to pro provide it what I believe to be some heavy hitter quad exercises. And of course you can adapt if needed based on your situation. 
So similar to the hamstring episode, we're gonna have an A day and a B day, keep this very simple. So A day, we have high bar back squat, bonus for elevating your heels. In this case, I think uh, heels elevated will make a lot of sense. Again, we're going higher rep. Uh, and so having the heels elevated will allow the knees to travel further over the toes, which will help with one, targeting the quads, but two, putting a little bit less stress on the back, which is great because as I mentioned earlier, we don't want our spinal erectors to be the rate limiter. So we'll call it a heels elevated high bar back squat and a quad extension. You're going to see a lot of similarities between this program and the hamstring hypertrophy program in terms of just kind of methodology and structure, et cetera. Uh, but we've got the high bar heels elevated back squat and a quad extension on our A day. And then B day, we have leg press and quad extension. So we've got our frequency and exercise selection down our twice a week. And we have our A day, B day. What about volume? So we're going to train from the minimum effective volume to the close to or up to the max recoverable volume. Uh, this means that, you know, if you're, if you're coming off a training break or maybe you've never really trained that seriously, uh, you want to start on the bottom end. And in almost any case, even with advanced lifters, when you're starting out a mesocycle, so kind of a phase of training that where your training gets progressively harder week to week, and then you deload, uh, you, there's no reason to start at the top of what you can handle because for one you can get easy gains in the very beginning you're, you're more sensitive to growth in the early portion of your mesocycle um, so you don't need to crush it and further if you do crush it too hard it just reduces the kind of ramp of time you have to uh, build into gains it's i mentioned this on the hamstring episode but it's kind of like spending 30 dollars for a burrito when there's a burrito that's just as good and it's only 12 dollars. so there's no use starting at the top because there's kind of nowhere to climb from there. So we want to start towards kind of the minimum effective dose that's required to trigger muscle growth. And it's really about what you can recover from. So the way to think about this in from a, in a way that makes it kind of self-evident how much you should be training. If you are just starting out or again, you never trained super seriously, you have no idea what your volume landmarks would be doing one set per exercise is going to be plenty as, as crazy as that sounds um as, especially particularly if if you're training the right way it's going to be a hard set and we'll get into that in just a second uh, but one set per exercise is going to be plenty you do not need to exceed that if you're just starting out you can always increase in in, in volume week to week and ramp into it it's much better to kind of undershoot it and then uh progress then overshoot it and try to have to fix some of those mistakes or reduce fatigue later on. Again, if, if you have an idea, if you've trained before and you have an idea of what type of volume you can recover from, then you would know where to start your kind of mesocycle out. But the way to think about this, to make this self-evident is to think about what training is difficult on your A day, uh, but still allows you to show up to your B day recovered and ready to perform it at the same level, or maybe even a little bit better than you did on your A day. So again, this, this might be one set of each exercise in the very beginning. And we'll get into specific specifics of progression uh, shortly, but you are gonna keep on adding sets until you find that sweet spot where, wow, that session was difficult, uh, but I recovered kind of just on time for my next session. So we've got volume down now, at least a, a North Star. What about rep ranges? Well, if you've followed BFR for a while, or if you followed this podcast, you might know what I'm going to get out here in terms of rep, rep ranges. But the 30, 15, 15, 15 is a good reference point 
uh, for your uh, reps. In general, pick a weight that you can handle about 30, we'll call it 20 to 30 reps with on your first set. And by the way, if you don't know what the 30, 15, 15, 15 protocol is, it's just a set of 30 followed by three sets of 15 with 60 seconds rest in between each set. Highly used in research and uh, BFR research. There's nothing magic about those numbers. It's just kind of a good, I think picking your first set with a, with a weight that you can handle about 20 to 30 reps with uh, is a pretty good North star. And then just naturally, because the rest windows are a bit shorter, you're under occlusion. You're not going to do, it's not going to be 30, 30, 30, 30. Uh, your, your sets are going to decrease in uh, output. So it's probably going to be something more like 28, 23, 17, 16, something like that. Um, but the most important thing is that you pick a weight that you can handle somewhere between 20 and 30 reps. And then on each of your sets, when, especially when you're starting out in the mesocycle, go to about two reps in reserve. So two, two reps before you would effectively fail or not be able to produce another rep with good technique. Proximity to failure is paramount in any training. And if you want more, more information on, you know, whether or not you should train to failure, kind of examining that question, whether you should train to failure in general, and particularly under BFR training, we did a full episode on that. You can reference that episode, but in general, across uh, most strength training literature, it seems that four reps in reserve or less is, is needed to drive muscle growth for most people. The reason why I'm suggesting two reps in reserve here instead of four, starting out with four and kind of working your way to zero, is that because with BFR, we're training with much lighter loads, which means the failure point is going to be like, it's going to be more of a crazy pump and burn. Uh, so it's sometimes more difficult to ascertain, am I actually at failure or do I just kind of not want to do another rep? Is the burn just too much? Whereas if you're doing a set of five to 10, uh, it's very clear, like no matter how much you want to push up, uh, you know, push the bar up or whatever for another rep, if you're at failure, you are at failure. Um, so it's, it's much clearer, but once you get into the 20 to 30 rep range, again, it can be a little bit blurry. So I think having somebody say, suggesting that four reps in reserve is good for BFR training. Uh, I don't know. Um, doesn't seem ideal just on the face logically. So two reps in reserve to start is probably a really good approximation. And then we'll go about 60 seconds between sets for rest. Um, and one thing to note, don't, that's not a hard cutoff. If you're, if you feel as though your cardiovascular system is going to be the rate limiter, I would take longer rest. If you're just, you know, panting and blown up, take a little bit longer quads do demand a lot of oxygen and, um, yeah, you want ultimately the quads to be the rate limiter, but that said, BFR is kind of well suited for these, for the, uh, shorter rest window, uh, kind of metabolite accumulation style training. Okay. So we have, uh, volume, we've got exercise selection, frequency. Great. Uh, we have relative intensity. So about two reps in reserve to start. What about blood flow restriction recommendations? This is the BFR podcast after all. So we are going to start off, uh, with a 50% limb occlusion pressure across this mesocycle of training. Limb occlusion pressure is the pressure that is required, the minimum pressure required to fully occlude the artery uh, that's carrying blood into your limb. So if you are at 50% LOP, that means you're training effectively with about 50% reduced blood flow into the limb. There's no magic number here. At least we're still trying to figure that out in the, the BFR scientific community. 
there probably won't be a magic number, but 50% seems to be a really good place to start. It's important to track what limb occlusion pressure you are training at uh, because it, this is a huge impact on your training. We, tra we track sets, reps, load, reps in reserve, all of these metrics, uh, we should approach occlusion pressure the same way. If we're, if we're doing BFR training, it's pretty good to know whether you're training with 50% reduced blood flow or 80% reduced blood flow, because that's going to change your performance. Uh, if you repeat this mesocycle later on and you do it at, you know, 60 or 70% occlusion, uh, it'd be reasonable to expect that your reps may drop, uh, or maybe even your load. And so understanding that LOP percentage is important for kind of relative tracking of performance over time and more so than it is that I'm suggesting that 50% is the magic hypertrophy uh, LOP percentage because it's probably not. But we'll go 50% occlusion to start uh, and leave cuffs inflated between sets and then you can deflate them between exercises. Quick plug for Saga, by the way. Um, this is a podcast by Saga Fitness, and we are a world-leading blood flow restriction device producer. We produce uh, a Bluetooth-enabled cuff that takes all the guesswork out. So if you want to train at 60% occlusion or 50% occlusion, our cuff works with a mobile app, completely wireless. You can select uh, what percentage occlusion you want to train at, and the cuff will calibrate to you. It'll take care of all that guesswork, so you can track exactly where you're training at uh, and make sure that you're training with the appropriate pressure. If you want to learn more about that, you can find us at saga.fitness. So brief recap, we've got our A day and B day for the week. A day is high bar heels elevated uh, back squat and uh, leg extensions. And our B day is a leg press and leg extensions. For loading recommendations, pick a weight that you can do about 20 to 30 reps with on each of these exercises. Uh, and take your sets to start to about two reps in reserve uh, on each of your sets with somewhere around 60 seconds rest and just ensure that you add volume as needed throughout week to week uh, to, to get to a point where it you know is, is difficult, but you're still able to train uh, by the time you get to your next session, train and perform well by the time you get to your next session. And more on progression here, there, there are no blanket generalizations, but for most people, a four to eight week mesocycle seems to, to work well. Uh, and so a mesocycle, again, is just kind of your accumulation and deload phases of training. So your week to week is getting more difficult, more difficult, more difficult, and then you deload and rest for about a week. So beginners tend to be on the longer end of the spectrum. They're just not strong enough to produce enough force to really cause enough damage or fatigue. So somewhere along eight weeks or, or even significantly more in a lot of cases uh, of accumulation is perfectly fine for beginners. Uh, if you're advanced, you're probably going to be closer to that four to six week mark, which you already know this if you're advanced. Um, so that's kind of a, a way to contextualize and look at, I guess, big picture, the, the range. Okay, I think I'm going to be training somewhere around six weeks. So it's going to uh, be five weeks of kind of incrementally more difficult and a deload on the six week. Try to map it out that way. And we're already progressing week to week by adding sets, but we also should be thinking about either adding a rep or a small amount in load each week. So if you, as an example, if you're doing high bar back squat on your A day and you do 95 pounds uh, for a set of 27, 
2017-15, then maybe a goal for your next week would be the same load, but it would be 28 21, 18, 16. I really hope I remember those numbers correctly. Uh, but you know, try to add a rep or so if you can, or try going up incrementally in load. And, and if you're gonna go up in load, try to maintain your rep count. What that's naturally gonna do over time is it's probably gonna decrease your reps in reserve, which is totally fine. You should get to the point where when you hit your final week, you might be at failure. And it's it's okay to to flirt with failure a little bit on your last week, especially you're just getting ready to deload next week. It's a perfect time for it. I would just say uh, when you're doing a the high bar back squat, for example, or any sort of machine or lift that puts you at risk of yeah, danger, if you go to failure, if you get trapped under the bar or something like that, then of course don't go to failure and have a spotter if you can. Uh, but with leg extensions and things like that, you're perfectly safe to, to push it to failure. The worst that's going to happen is the steel machine is going to slam a little bit. Uh, and that's about it. So once you've kind of incrementally increased intensity all the way to your last week, or maybe you're taking your sets to failure, and then go for a deload. There's no formal literature. I mentioned this on the last episode around BFR deloads. Uh, but in general, you're probably good to just cut BFR completely out for a week. Um and cut your volume that you finish with and your uh, intensity and your, your load, sorry, in half. And uh, just really, you know, when you hit the brakes, hit them hard and get, a, get rest for a week if you're super over fatigued and then get ready to ramp back in uh, the following week. And then if you're committed to continuing with BFR training, you, you like the results, the training style that you're getting from this, you can always repeat that mesocycle either with different exercises. Uh, you can do the same exact exercises and just add load or focus on adding reps. Uh, or you could do the same exact thing and just change the occlusion percentage, bump it up to 60% occlusion, see how that works. That'll allow you, playing with the occlusion percentage will kind of allow you to document and figure out what your best LOP percentage is for quad training, uh, which is kind of cool. Um, what allows you to get the best stimulus at the, the least amount of fatigue. And that's that. That is a BFR quad hypertrophy program. I'm maybe the first podcast about BFR quad hypertrophy, but hey, that's what you're here on the Blood Flow Restriction Podcast for. I hope you enjoyed it. If you have any questions at all, reach out to Stephen with a V at saga.fitness, and we will see you on the next episode.